Hello and welcome into the third season of the newly branded show here on American Hammers Network. This is the Bearded Bastards. How are you today, Liam? <laughs> oh, I'm just doing well. How about you, Tex? I'm doing pretty well as uh, Tex Lovin uh, is what I go by but we're going to call myself Tex or douchebag, <laughs> anything like that. This is the Bearded Bastards, formerly known as American Hammers Network. Excuse me, American Hammers Radio. Truth. God damn, we're, this is how bad we've been out of it. <laughs> it's been a while. It has been, I would say, much longer than just a hot minute. Because when you think about where we sort of ended the last season and where we're picking this one up, it has been some time. So it's 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 nice to be back in front of the mics. I love that we're able to do this in person because there was a good stretch of time where we were in uh, completely different rooms and trying not to talk over each other. But uh, this is good. This feels comfortable. This feels natural. You know, and I, we're all over the place right now. It's not sounding good. So you know what's going to make things better? It's this. Ooh. That sound right there is the sound of the whiskey we will be consuming during the show. So as you uh, listen... We're going to get a little more comfortable. You should get a little more comfortable. Keep your pants on. Let's not get weird. But uh, we are excited to be back. Obviously, this is a massive season coming up for West Ham United, the team we know, we love. We cannot wait to watch. The season is starting this Sunday, August 7th. It's 8.30 a.m. out here on the left coast. Um, for everybody else, that means it's 11.30 for you lucky bastards out there on the east coast. Uh, West Ham kick off the season against Manchester City. But before we get into the season preview and this game preview, we have to talk about what everybody talks about in the offseason, and that is the transfers. We had some departures. We've had some new additions. But first and foremost, let's say goodbye to the, the people that don the claret and blue that will no longer be donning it next season. First and foremost, Ryan Fredericks, the speed merchant himself, one of the fastest men in all of England has parted ways for West Ham United. He has now joined AFC Bournemouth, yep. um, which I thought earlier in the show, um, it was such a small thing that happened. I thought he went back to Fulham. I, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised. There's he's, he's not just a speed merchant, but he's a London merchant. He has like popped around to all of these different clubs around London. Uh, I mean, I was... I was sad to see him go, but also not like mo mostly sad to see him go because he'd become such a fixture in the last four years that he's been here. And knowing he was very close with Declan Rice, I always felt like that was a nice little chip in our favor to keep Declan here. Uh, but really, at the end of the day, he's he was very injury prone and he became surplus to a requirement once Ben Johnson really established himself as the occasional starter and then sometimes back up to Vladimir Souffal. So when you're third string at a right back, I think it's just time to, to you know, move to greener pastures. I, I got to ask you, you said, uh, you know, he was a, a staple. What type of fucking staple was he? <laughs> he was always gone in and out of the team, never consistent. Um, I, I remember when we got him, I was real excited because, you know, the guy was, you know, qualified for the Olympics, I believe, for England. Right. Um, and so, you know, you get a player like that and you're excited about the physical attributes. But I think we all forgot you still have to be able to play the game with your feet. Doesn't matter how fast you are. Yeah. If you can't handle the ball at your feet, your speed counts for nothing. Um, so I, th I thought Ryan Fredericks was a bit of, he was a massive underachiever, I think, for what West Ham expected out of him. Yeah. So, I, you know, if I had to say one thing for Ryan Fredericks, I think the Premier League's too big for him. 
I think he is a championship level or lower player. Yeah. I think we gave him plenty of opportunities to take the brass ring, if you will, and grab it and solidify himself in that right back position, but he was never quite able to do so. What what would you say is parting words to poor Ryan Fredericks, who is now going to have to spend his latter days at Bournemouth? Uh, I mean, you got to figure out, I think he was like 28. So I, I would say, you know, enjoy the time that you're there. Like remember fondly the time that you, that you spent at West Ham uh, and then just don't score any goals against us because <laughs> Every time we release a player, we play that team and they're like our kryptonite. So I would love it if if you're going to be injury prone, Ryan, go ahead and be injury prone right before you're supposed to play us. And that'd be fantastic. So we said goodbye to Ryan Fredericks, another player who I have to admit he was a personal favorite of mine. But I know that he just did not fit in with what David Moyes wanted to do. He was a holdover from a prior regime of Pellegrini, and that is Andre Yarmolenko. Uh, Yarmolenko had some massive goals for West Ham United. You can't deny that. I remember the first game he really took, uh, took West Ham by storm against Everton had two goals. Beautiful. Did the typical Yarmolenko go, got the ball on the left foot outside the 18 and curled it into the far corner. Yeah. And I remember thinking, my God, we got a steal here for this kid from Dortmund and Yarmolenko. Um, it's sad to see him go for me personally, but I wouldn't want to keep him. And I have to admit that he does not fit what David Moyes wants to do. Um, he is a really good player. He needs to get regular football. Um, we'll get to see him in the World Cup. You know, he's arguably the best player on his national team. Yeah. Um, so it, it was sad to see Yarmo go. We had some great memories. I'm always going to appreciate. I even own a Yarmo jersey. And I, That's I, true. I love that. I love the man, but I in no way, shape or form did I want him to stay uh, what are your thoughts on the departure of Andre Yermolenko? So he was a he was a hot and cold player for me. Uh, there were so many times where he he felt like a passenger on the pitch, where I used to affectionately refer to him as a lamppost because he was <laughs> he was essentially just stationary. But right, I think you you brought up a lot of really good points, right? There were some brilliant goals that he produced that at the time, nobody else on the pitch was, was making happen. I mean, if you think about at the end of the 2019 season and we're playing Aston Villa, uh, and was it um, freaking, it wasn't uh, Jack Grealish that scored. It was, uh, what's his name? Not Callum Wilson. Who's the other, the main striker? Ollie that, Watkins. Uh, Watkins puts in a, a, a goal coming in from the right-hand side, and then Yarmo takes a wild shot from outside the 18. It takes a deflection and goes over the keeper into the net, and we equalize. Um, so it was, you know, little things like that, or even during the uh, Europa League, right? Like, his goal was the go-ahead, the win goal. So against, uh, oh, why am I blanking on what one of those that was? Weird, yeah, one of the yeah. weird ones. But it was, I think that those are the instances where, a player like that can be beneficial to a squad because he is occasionally an impact player. But I think to what you were saying with Ryan Fredericks, he's there's not the consistency. So there, what we really need at this point isn't the guy that sometimes can makes it happen. We need an impact player off the bench. And that's I, when we, as we get into transfers, we'll talk about how these players are a bit more reliable. To some degree, they are unknown quantities, but I think Yarmo for the length of time he was there, similar to Ryan Fredericks, you kind of knew what you were going to get with him. Uh, moments of brilliance, but absolutely no consistency. I think he hit the nail on the head. Just too many moments that he had um, 
where he was missing on the pitch, if you will. And we just seemed like we were playing with 10 men. Well, think about uh, the game against Tottenham, right? The three goal comeback where he gives up the ball and Tottenham has a breakaway. Gareth Bale goes to potentially score the winning goal. And it's Yarmo that comes back to make the defensive play to take the ball back off of Gareth. For sure, he saved you know that game, but he was also the reason that the ball was turned over in midfield because he tries his little fancy backheel passes that almost never work. You know, as, as much as he frustrated, I think, West Ham fans, we have to admit he had some goals that just made you so happy. Um, end of the season against Chelsea, um, getting the breakaway goal, scoring the goal to win the game against Chelsea, which at that time, West Ham sorely needed it. We were in a relegation fight and we needed those points in order to come up and solidify. So I, I, as, as much as it pains me to go, I'm always going to be a Yarmo fan. I'm always going to appreciate what he does, but I'm not going to be naive to the fact that he was not a player that fit where West Ham are headed. He's not, he's not good enough for our current squad. And I don't say that with any type of malcontent towards him. I say that with the utmost respect for what the manager, David Moyes, has done to build this squad because we're building it a different way. And when we do get into the transfers, there's some exciting, exciting things to look forward to for West Ham fans. So outside of losing Fredericks and Yarmolenko, another player that we had to say goodbye to, kind of in the same vein as Ryan Fredericks, never really caught on. We bought him as a defensive player. He never really was a defensive player. He was more of a winger. He's more of an attacking player. And that is OEO Arthur Masuaku. (laughs) Um, And it's sad to see Masuaku go. It really truly is because I think everybody at the club loved him. I think the players loved him. I think they love being around him, but he, he just net just in the same vein as Ryan Fredericks. He never was able to become that player that we needed him to be. And when we were trying to play him where we bought him, we bought him as a, as a left back and he just never really could play that position. No. And uh, you've talked about this in previous episodes, um, bringing him in from Olympiacos where they're one of the top tier teams in the Greek league. So they don't have to defend anywhere near as much as West Ham did. And we were constantly being put on the back foot he was a liability despite the song. You know, he never gives the ball away and he typically would. But I I, I was watching highlight footage, right? Because obviously the people that were big Masawaku uh, supporters, I think that would include you and me, uh, did highlight reels. And especially in like the early seasons when he came on board, man, he was doing step overs and little flicks. I always remember the one where there's two defenders go to pinch him. And he literally does like a nice little kick around to get the ball right at, right at the touchline. He's able to get around the both of them and break in towards goal. I mean, just think of this last season where he went to put in the, the cross that ends up going into the goal against Chelsea. Like, like I would almost say he's a hybrid between Yarmolenko and Fredericks. And, you know, had the injury prone, didn't have that consistency, scored some great goals. I don't, I don't, really, I wouldn't say that Ryan Frederick scored great goals. He did have some goals, but I don't ever remember him scoring something that was like, that's the game changer. Like that's the game winner. Uh, I think for all three and keep in mind, Masuaku is just on loan, but I would imagine it's a loan with an option to buy. So Besikas will, will more than likely um, trigger that clause. Or if anything else, I'm sure by the time his loan spells over, he's probably a free agent anyways. So. Yeah, it's just, it, it's frustrating. He's one of the guys, he had a great song. We love singing yeah. his song. 
Um, he, he did have some big moments. He was a very technically skilled player. Um, I think it's a, it goes a little bit of both ways for me on Masuaku. I don't think he was given the right opportunities by West Ham United. Um, and I also think that, you know, he was looked at as a position of need when we bought him. I think we bought him in a little bit of a panic. It was a little bit of a panic buy. And we bought a player who played in a league who legitimately didn't have to defend. No. You know, he was going forward pretty much the whole time, and he was technically an extra attacker for them. I, I would have loved to see, not now, but two years ago, I would have loved to see them Let's put Masuaku in an advanced role and give him a run of games and let's see what he can do. Yeah. Um, and I think Bestikas may be the team that he gets an opportunity to do that. And I think he is way more technically skilled than people give him credit for. Um, I think, yeah, he get does he give the ball away? Yeah, when he's a defender. Yeah. I don't really feel like he ever really did that when he was an attacker. I think anytime he's been deployed as a full-on left back was where he struggled, but I think back to the when the the fall of the first season where Moyes was fully in control, right? Not the end of the season where he rescued us, not the end of 2019, but the fall of, of 2019 going into 2020. Uh, I mean, we decimated teams like Wolves and Leicester, and that was deploying a back five. And I think we really saw uh, Masawaku thrive underneath that setup. I think where you had... You know, it was almost more of like a three-four-three three versus like a five-two-three. Uh, so I, I think had we continued to be able to employ that type of uh, formation, and I, I'm not trying to take a dig at Cresswell, but maybe somebody that is a pure left center back as opposed to Aaron Cresswell, who is a left back that can sometimes play as a left center. I think you need a pure left center back, and that's where I think Masawaku thrives, but. Uh, when he's left with too much defensive uh, responsibility, that's where he starts to suffer. Yeah, it's going to be sad to see him go. He had a great song. You know, that's one thing I was realizing the other day. We need more great songs for our players. We just, yeah. all, our great, all our great songs for those players, they're all gone. And that brings us to probably the tear-joking moment of, uh, not joking, excuse me, tear-jerking moment for us right now. Um, and I think we're going to give each other an opportunity to say this. Um, the captain, Mark Noble officially retired as is no longer with the club in a player capacity. I think we all expect the club to give him some type of role in the future whenever he's ready. Um, Mark Noble's the reason I'm a West Ham fan. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny that. Um, so I'm going to give you the opportunity first here. What do you say about Mark Noble and what he meant to not only West Ham United, but what he meant to you? I don't think that you can really put it into words, but I'll, try my damnedest at this point. I, I, I would agree with you. I think that, you know, for me in the early days, you know, when I could catch replays or randomly kind of catch highlights and whatnot, uh, you know, Paulo De Canio was probably my first favorite uh, West Ham player. But by the time you could get actual game footage and when you could actually start watching games, you started to see this young academy prospect, this, you know, uh, Canning Town boy come up and, you know, pure pure East London, pure claret and blue through and through. Uh, and you could just see what it meant to him. You know, like you you had really good players all throughout those years, right? Like you had your Bobby Zamora's and you had your Trevor Sinclair's, but and you never quite saw that same level of passion. You didn't see that same spark that you always saw with Mark Noble. I think all the way up until this last season where he retired, like there was never a time that I watched Mark play and didn't think that he was giving his all. 
you know, whether it was playing a full 90, whether it was coming on as a cameo in the last three minutes of a match so David Moyes could waste <laughs> waste some time to run out the clock, he always took it with a plum. Uh, think about it at the beginning of the season where he had the opportunity to equalize against Manchester United. Didn't bat an eye. In interviews, didn't try to lay the blame. Oh, I wasn't really warmed up. He goes, no, I told him I want this pen. I was ready to take that pen and I legitimately thought I was. It just sometimes it ha- falls for you the right way. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I want to say it was two years ago. Uh, somebody had made the comment that, you know, um, Julian Dix was our best penalty taker. So I actually went through and broke down the top rated penalty takers that we had at West Ham uh, pretty much through, you know, the last 30 years, 40 years. Right. And when you took the number of penalties that they took and the number that they score, he added the best penalty conversion rate. And I think he's completely underrated for that. I think a lot of times because we've been a team that struggled, you know, whether it was, um, you know, the 2003, 2004 season where we're in the championship or the 2011 season in the championship, you look at these instances and you go, oh, West Ham's just not consistent. Oh, we've sat in the bottom, you know, bottom half of the table. We're always fighting relegation. And I think those have influenced people's opinions of Mark up until these last maybe two years when David Moyes came on and people really started to see the impact that Mark Noble had. And I think not just an impact on the pitch, but the impact off the pitch. Cause you look at somebody like Declan Rice, who has become the player that he is today, not just because he's inherent talent. He is undeniably talented. Nobody would ever say a word against him, but it's the tutelage and the leadership that Mark Noble bestowed upon him as well as the rest of the players in that dressing room, which is why we have the camaraderie that we have right now, which is why we have players that are battling for spots, but do not get pissy and shitty when they're not in the starting lineup. Everybody knows their role and they know the part that they have to play because of Mark Noble. There will never be another Mark Noble ever. And that's, that's not hyperbole. That is just the God's honest truth. Mark Noble was a one-of-a-kind player, and we are so lucky to have lived during a time to have watched him play. I feel like for the older generation, they probably felt fairly similar to Bobby Moore. And unfortunately for Bobby, he didn't get to finish his career at West Ham. Mark was fortunate to have done so. And I couldn't have been prouder, happier, uh, and, and more excited to see what he does next in his career. I mean, yeah, you, you've, you said some beautiful things there. And I mean, I think without repeating a bunch of what you said, because I think we're both on the same um, wavelength when it comes to what Mark Noble has meant to West Ham United, I just will add this. We will not know how much he meant to West Ham United for a couple of years. We won't. There's going to be a void at the club. Um, and he is... His whole career, he's been undervalued. He's been underappreciated. But what I love about him is he doesn't care. He's never cared about that. It's never, it's never even really been about winning. I think for West Ham, I mean for uh, Mark Noble, I think it's been more about representing the badge, the community, in the right way. And I think that's something that's rare in sports today is to have a servant of the club for so long has no desire to go anywhere that wears the captain's armband like with legitimate pride, he cried the last game at the, at the bowl end. And I'll never forget in the Fresno irons immortalized it on a t-shirt. He stood in front of the crowd, grabbed the mic and said, this ain't a club. It's a family. 
Yeah. And uh, that that line in of itself embodies what Mark Noble meant. Um, and I will go out on a limb and say this. Um, look, there have been some storied players to ever don the claret and blue. All you know, Bobby Moore, Sir Trevor Booking, Paulo Decano, Dimitri Payet, even though with all his stuff, he's one <laughs> of the best players to ever wear it. But nobody will ever wear the claret and blue and mean more to it in the badge than Mark Noble. And it doesn't matter about how good of a player he was. It matters about what he meant to the East end of London, you know, Canning town's own, you know? So it's just, I mean, how often do you see that? I think in American sports, if this is the best way that I can describe it to you, it's the Derek Jeter over there. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a guy that grew up loving a team, got to play for that team, was the captain of that team, never played and represented the team incredibly well. But Mark Noble did it, and he went through every up and down that you could possibly go through, and he still stood. And I'll tell you right now, if I can be half the man Mark Noble is, I might actually find a wife. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm kind of looking at here. If I was half the man Mark Noble was, I would be like 100 pounds would be great. <laughs> or I'd actually be like 75 pounds would be great. Well, obviously, uh, when you talk about the outs, you don't want to go out on a sore note. we got to talk about the ends. Uh, West Ham United have brought in some incredible players, um, some guys that I think definitely for the future and some guys that I think can help us right now. So, Liam, uh, we're going to go through these players, say a little bit about something, what we expect from. Um, but, I mean, it was an exciting transfer window. And best of, as of right now, it's not over. So yeah. uh, our next episode, we could be announcing more names. I know I'm excited for this. So I think everybody at this point knew that Nayef Aguirre had come in from Rennes. Uh, he was a target that we've, it's, it's funny. I've actually had him on a previous note for a, a, one of our pre-show meetings. So this is somebody we've been after for a, a bit now, at least from the January transfer window and then going into this one. So it was a name that had been circling around. Uh, and I'm, I was glad that we were able to get this over the line because this isn't an insult to Ogbana or Dawson or Zuma, but we needed more reinforcements at, uh, at center back, which we saw, our our defense get decimated. I mean, there was what at one point we only had one starter across the entire back four. So we needed depth in the position. And I think Diop kind of fits in that Yarmolenko, Masuaku, Fredericks uh, uh, a group where there's moments of brilliance. Like he'll make a, you know, 40 yard pass pinpoint pass to Declan Rice or Jared Bowen Uh and then there's other times where he like heads the ball directly to the feet of an opposing player and they knock it into the goal or instances where he has blocked the ball and it has gone off his foot and the trajectory changed and it's dribbled past the ball, past the goal. So I think with, with having Ogbonna back is huge. Um, I mean, he is getting older each year. He has been more injury prone each year. Uh, Kurt Zuma, we've already seen he's has suffered some injuries this past season. Uh, so I think any sort of uh, additional support we can have in the center back positions is going to be great, especially if Moyes is going to start to gravitate gravitate towards sort of that back three. Um, I think Dawson has become a fan favorite. Uh, I'm totally fine with that back three being Aguard, Aguard, who is a natural left-footed player. You could have Zuma in the center and you can have Dawson on the right-hand side. Or if you want to have Ogbana in that mix as well, um, I, I think 
I would lean towards a Gerd just because Ogbonna is still coming off of a pretty serious injury. The only problem is, and we'll get into this, a Gerd is currently injured. So <laughs> but we'll cover that. But I do, I do think that was a great buy. What do you think? Uh, I, I was uh, questioning it at first because I was curious um, if somebody was going out. And then I kind of figured it'd be Diop. Now with the injury to a Gerd, I think that uh, Diop's probably going to be here until at least Christmas. Yeah. Uh, just for cover purposes and the more i've been reading and the more i've been paying attention to what they've been doing in preseason i really think the back three i don't think dawson's a part of the back three i think dawson is a hell of a player he is a fan favorite but i think when you look at the talent level of the geared zuma and agbana i think if agbana is healthy he's the best center back we have like i i just a firm believer in that yeah. um i really like what i've seen out of the geared um, on his highlight reel, but I always have to remind myself it's a highlight. They're only yeah. showing us the good stuff. So really, I, I think it's a very good buy for West Ham United. I think they had to bring in another center back. Um, I think the pursuit of Tarkovsky um, just kind of went by the wayside yeah. because I think Tarkovsky was just playing games and honestly think we got a better player. Agreed. Like I, I think a Garrett is a, is a better player than Tarkovsky is. And, and I feel very fortunate to have him. And that was the first domino to fall in the transfer that kind of told me what David Moyes is trying to do. I am firmly convinced he's going to have a back three. That's what he's going to play. That's his preferred um, thing. And he's got guys back there, um, especially in a Gerd and Agbana that can make that long pass. Yeah. You know, Zuma can be the brute, but those two guys can make the long pass and they can play out from the back and play the long ball. And I kind of really like what this is setting up. I think because you, I think you're right. Because if you do set that up right, where you have uh, Aguirre on the on the left hand side, Agbana in the center, and then Zuma on the right, uh, I feel like that does give you the the leadership presence in the center where you're ultimately going to want it. Uh, and all three of them are lethal in the air. The only thing is, when you think about Dawson, he scored more goals than obviously Agbana, who was out, and Kurt Zuma. So we know Dawson can be a lethal threat, and he'll run through a fucking brick wall. Like well, you cannot stop Craig Dawson. You're right. Dawson's the best offensive player of the center backs, but you don't put center backs on the field for their offensive presence. No, of course not. And so Dawson, to me, and I think you will agree with this, has a mistake in him. Oh, he's every liable time. to get a red card. Um, there's <laughs> things like that that he does, and I'm not taking away from him. I feel blessed to have him. And I do believe, you know, he will play a role this year because one of those guys is going to get hurt and he's going to come in and he's going to play. Or the, just the, the add in the cup games, the European games, like there, there is enough to go around that you can utilize these guys in different capacities. Uh, I also think, and we can get into this later, I think Diop is also being held on as a potential defensive midfielder. So could be absolutely uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, Flynn downs from uh, Swansea. And this was a $12 million transfer. Uh, what is really cool about Flynn downs is that he was on his way to crystal palace and we swept in at like the 11th hour and was like, Hey, would you like to come to West Ham? And he goes, yes, I would. And they just, it was a last minute steal. And I love that because what was that kid, that EK kid that was supposed to come to us. And then crystal palace swept in last minute and sw snatched him. I like Flynn Downs a lot. Uh, I think he, he's a West uh, West End or East End boy, West Ham through and through. His family's West Ham. Uh, I think this is the type of kid that, although didn't thrill me, he didn't wow me in preseason. I think he's still just acclimating to the team and then to his role within this team. Because I think with everybody 
sans maybe Suchek, who when he first came in, like really just made an impact going forward because he was playing essentially the same position that he had for his national team and for um, the, oh, what was the Czech team? He was obviously the Czech boys. They both came from the same team. Um, but when you think about for him, he didn't really have to struggle. He struggled this last season because he was playing a different role. I think with Flynn Downs, once he, because he's such a young player, once he acclimates to the role that David Moyes has in mind for him, I think he's going to come good. This is going to be that guy that can take some of the minutes off of Suchek and potentially some of the minutes off of Rice as well to allow them to be more fresh and more rested for every single game. So we don't have to have this entire midfield changeover that we had to do a lot of the time for the cups, for the cup games. And then also for the, uh, um, for the European nights. I, I think Flynn Downs is a great signing. I think he is the Mark Noble replacement, even though there's no replacing Mark Noble, East End boy, um, grew up family loves West Ham. He's loved West Ham. The, all we had to do is say, Hey, you want to come to West Ham? And he's got pin sitting on paper. Cause what, what West Ham's an opportunity. Yeah. Here's your pin back. I'm going over there. Uh, he's, I, I really like him. I don't think he's an exceptionally talented player, but I think he is a Mark Noble esque player. And I think that's one of the best compliments I can give him because he's going to give, he's going to give 110% every time he goes out there, he's going to run his socks off for the badge. Um, and he doesn't want to go anywhere. Like he's already come out and said, I'd love to spend the rest of my career here at West Ham United. Yeah. So when you get a player like that in, I think it's massive. And I think he's a midfielder that's going to be sitting behind Declan Rice. Is there a better player in England to learn from? So, I mean, I, I really like the signing. I don't expect him to impact much this season at all. Maybe some cup games, maybe some EFL cup maybe a few minutes here at a game that we're way up in because I'm not going to say way down because we're going to win them all. Um, but I just kind of look at it like that. I, I like the signing, but I don't look at the signing as something that is going to be impactful for West Ham United this season. No, it, I, I imagine it'll be like a Vlasic where it probably is going to take a season for him to kind of like get his feet under him. And then we'll start to see him come into his own next season. Perfect. So moving into what I would say is probably the big name signing and something that every West Ham supporter was calling for, I mean, since Allaire left. Uh, Jean-Luc Scamacca from Sosolo uh, comes in at, I want to say it was like a 32, sorry, $35.5 million transfer. Uh, this was one that I think we were all hoping for. The dude is six foot five. He's technically sound. And although he really only scores goals from his right foot and his head, really all we need him for and when you really look at this team and i know sky sports has talked about this where we were already lethal on set pieces and now we've just gotten taller like the reinforcements that we're bringing in with a with flynn downs with skamaka these are all guys that six foot six two six five like these are big dudes and you you couple that with declan rice um antonio while not being incredibly tall has really good ups and can also get his head on the ball i mean for fuck's sake we've seen jared bowen out jump center backs and get his head on the ball before. So I think we are just poised to decimate the league from set pieces. And while you still have people like Ben Rama, who we've saw him score or score a free kick in open field. Obviously we know how lethal Aaron Cresswell is behind a drop ball. I mean, this is just this to me, this is going to size up exactly the way that uh, David Moyes is going to want to play. He's going to want to play that back five. He's going to want to still play on the counter like we did this last season and then try to win 
uh, corners or free kicks and put the bodies in the box. And I just see us dominating a lot of teams, especially the ones that don't have height. What, what were your thoughts seeing a striker finally come into West Ham? <laughs> well, I thought there was a transfer ban for West Ham United on signing strikers. I thought that I thought that was illegal for us to do, but obviously we finally we finally did it um, since Sebastian Allaire. Um, and let's be honest, Sebastian Allaire was what we thought he was. We just did not use him the proper way. He didn't fit in the system, whatever it may be. I mean, the man's now at Dortmund and he got diagnosed yes. with a pretty serious disease. So prayers for him yeah. um, because he did leave West Ham United very gracefully. Um, he did say that he's always pulling for the hammers, but he also understood. And, and I, I give him all credit in the world for saying, you know, hey, I was not the striker they needed anymore. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Samaka, this is what I'm going to say. This is Latan. This is the poor man's Latan Ibrahimovic. It really is. And I think um, he plays a power game when he's, I mean, if you watch his highlight, Phil, he's hitting shots from 30 yards out. Yeah. 25, 30, 35 yards out, and he's nailing them. Um, I don't think he is the most technically gifted guy I've ever seen, but his holdup play is incredible. Um, he is, his awareness of the field where people are supposed to be is incredible. Um, and for a six foot five guy, he's got a little pace to him. I don't think he's a blazer, but to me, this is kind of, so one thing that I always loved about Andy Carroll was the physical presence Andy Carroll brought to the team, but Andy Carroll didn't have a lot of pace. Um, but Andy Carroll was what he was. This is Andy Carroll with a little bit of pace. This is Latan Ibrahimovic with not as much technical gifts, but also without the attitude. Yeah, but I, I feel like he's got a little attitude, but he's got attitude in the West Ham way. Like he's going to put in a shift. He's going to work hard for his teammates. Um, and one thing, this is what I love. He is a striker that is selfish, but he is not afraid to make a pass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want my striker to want the ball at his feet every time. I want him to score every goal. I want it to be Robert Lewandowski that gets pissed off when he doesn't score the goal. And, you know, I want the Cristiano Ronaldo effect. I want that. Because I think a striker has to have that mentality. Samaka, to, to me, has a great balance of that. He's got that. I want to score goals. But he also kind of gets a kick out of setting up his teammates. And we have some serious speed on the right-hand side with Jared Bowen. And I can already see it now. A long pass from Augie into Samaka. One times it over to Bowen. Bowen gets one-on-one in goal. Puts it in. How many times did we see that last year? Look, I love Antonio. I really do. But I think Antonio is going to love Samaka as well, especially if we bump Antonio out to the left. Yeah. And I, I really love what this team could be. And I don't want to get too excited because as a West Ham fan, you make these signings. And last time we did this, pretty much none of them worked out. So I, I really, really hope that that's this Samaka guy is what you know the billing says he is. I know that we were coming down between him and Borgia and for, out of Chelsea, and I'm so happy they went with Samaka. And the yeah. reason why is because Borgia's already had his chance in the Premier League, and he hasn't really caught on. He was on loan at Southampton and struggled to be their number one striker. So I was curious of why they wanted to bring him in, and maybe they wanted to bring him in for cover for Antonio. Now Antonio's got legit competition to lead the line, and that's, that's going to give us the best out of Antonio, the best out of Samaka, and I love this signing, but I'm also coming in with tempered expectations because as a West Ham fan, I've been burned. 
Well, think about it this way, man. Like, say you still keep your front three where it's Fornals, Antonio, Bowen, right? Because Fornals, Fornals gives you defensive cover on that left-hand side that although Ben Rama is the more technically gifted player, we've seen Fornals just be a workhorse on that left-hand side. Now, you sub out Fornals, you put in Skamaka at like the 60, 65th minute, you pull Antonio out to that left-hand side, and you have Skamaka in the center, you keep Bowen on the right, and then say you're still pushing for that equalizer or that winning goal, now you pull Antonio off and you put Ben Rama. Now you've got Bone and Ben Rama that can just lump balls into the box and you've got Skamaka can get ahead on it. And then if you're playing with like Lanzini in that number 10 role, I mean, Skamaka lays the ball off for Lanzini. His kid's foot is magic. He'll put the, he'll find the back of the net one way or the other. So I think we have more attack. We already had really good attacking prowess last year. I think for me, especially with the, the, the miss on Jesse Lingard, I think how dare you speak his oh name? My God, right? I'm gonna wash my mouth out with soap. I think with this now, I feel like we are more of a lethal attacking presence because it plays to our strength and it allows us to change our shape that we have not been able to do in the past. It was always kind of a like for like or square peg in a round hole previously. Now we actually have formational changes that makes it harder for the other teams to game plan against us. Because if you noticed, especially towards the back half of last season, everybody knew a high press ruined our system. Every team that played a high press, we struggled against. So Fucking Brighton. No, 100%. That's, an, that's a prime example. Brighton employed a high press and we struggled against it. Southampton, high press, we struggled against it. So I think even in the preseason games, we've seen the teams that employed a high press, Rangers, we struggled against them. So this allows us to have a formational shape change, which I think ultimately is exactly what we're going to need. I, I, I love the signing. Um, all right. So let's move on to the, to the next one. Okay. So with these two, these next two, these are kind of like in the, in the works, but there's nothing that has um, been finalized. Uh, Lil Mil- midfielder uh, Amadou Onana has accepted. So Lil accepted the bid that we put in. Uh, but personal terms still need to be figured out. So personal terms would be like the salary, living arrangements, medical, like all the other little extra things, length of time for the contract. Uh, you, you know, with this one, he's a younger kid. A lot of people have been talking about that this signing would be more of a eventual replacement for Declan Rice, but really nobody's going to be able to replace Declan Rice, but it does give us some additional cover in that mid midfield role. Uh, I'm, I'm not as I'm not familiar enough with this player to feel like this is the exact signing that we want. And I know that when he was brought into Lille, they had a very underwhelming title defense this last season. Uh, and I don't know if that's that you you can't put that onus completely on him. It's a team as a whole. But if your team is struggling and you can be a standout player, that really shows you're ready for the Premier League. But if you're a player that didn't really shine in the French league. I don't know if the Premier League is, is going to be quite suited, but if David Moyes sees something that I don't, I trust the process. I trust David Moyes. So this is what I will tell you about Anana, And um, everything that I've seen about him, everything I've read about him, this is the same thing. He is one of the hardest workers in the French League. He puts in a shift every time he goes out there. He is an absolute pest, and he will break up play in that midfield all day long. Um, he's a little bit of a gambler. So sometimes he will go in and he will miss and it's going to be bad. Um, But I will also say this. This is the one thing. This is why I think David Moyes wants him. 
I am not sold on what type of formation Moyes is going to try to play. Whatever it is, he could have three in the back and he could play three midfielders because he could put Onana and Suchek and Rice all on the field together and release Rice to go forward, which I think is, is what he wants Rice to do. Rice has been so good when he does go forward. I think Moyes is screaming out for an opportunity to get him to go forward. So what do you do? You go out into the world and you go, who is a good young defensive midfielder that we can go grab that also has the ability to play other positions because he can play center back as well. And he's got height. He's another 6'2 kid. Yeah, yeah. So I think they're trying to bring this player in not to replace Rice. And I think I think it's cute what everybody's trying to say. I literally think they're doing this because I think David Moyes knows who his best player is, and he wants to give his best player the most opportunity to impact any game. Yeah, And that's why I think he wants Onana. And honestly, after watching it, a 20-year-old player, it's a little bit of a high price to pay for him. But under David Moyes and getting the tutelage of, you know, um, getting the tutelage of Declan Rice could be good. I mean, that midfield's got some talent in it. Yeah. And when you lose a player like Declan, I mean, when you lose a player like, like Mark Noble, you, you, you got to replenish. And I think that that's a beautiful signing. If it can happen. Uh, I know Lil doesn't want to let the player go. That tells me how valuable the player is coming in with four bids on him. Yeah. And we finally got accepted. And then I think it's really up to the player. If the player believes what David Moyes has in store for him, I think he comes. And if he doesn't come, it is what it is. So hit me with the other player. So the other one we're looking at is uh, uh, Burnley midfielder Maxwell Cornet. Uh, Cornet, which he is, uh, I think he he looked really good. He was definitely a standout player both times that we played Burnley. Uh, he can play uh, left back. He can play a left wing back. So I do think that this is a versatile player. Um, he can play across the mid. He's played up front. I mean, he's kind of that jack of all trades type player. So I do I do see this being a Moyes type player right where he can deploy him in multiple capacities and it allows Moyes to have more you know tools in the tool belt there's really not a lot uh to go on with this one there are other premier league teams that are looking at him as well it's just a matter of who wants to come in with the highest bid and where does he want to go uh and lastly i know i was saying that there were two but there's technically three uh philip kostich is still one that is, it depends on the day, right? Like yesterday, he was not interested. Today, it looked like it was the interest was there. Tomorrow, I'm sure the interest won't be there anymore. I I take this one with a grain of salt. I thought he was fantastic when we played on track Frankfurt in the semifinal. But if I was going to pick a player from that squad, um, I actually would have taken Kamada. I think that that was the type of attacking midfielder that we need. The one where uh, when Ben Rama is on fire, that that he can be that type of player, but I think Kamada plays with a little bit more consistency. So if we were going to pilfer somebody from Frankfurt, that would have been my go-to. But I understand with Kostic, his uh, goal production, his assists are just astronomical, especially from playing a left wing back position. And if we are going to go with what we're saying, a back three, back five type formation, he would be instrumental. And I think letting Arthur Masawaku go out on loan, to me, says that Moyes has it, has it, on good authority that if he can't pull this player, that he's going to pull this type of player in uh, within b- before the transfer window closes. So we were doing so well 
Um, we were, and now I, I have to disagree with you on so many things. <laughs> so Cornea from Burnley is to me, that's a last resort buy. If you can't get anybody else, that's where you go in and get that player. I don't see him having much value for West Ham United whatsoever. I know he scored nine goals last year yeah. for Burnley and yes, he's got a motor and he can play, but he's not good enough for this squad. He is not good enough for a top six squad. And that's how I'm going to view us from this point forward. If he came in, he's just filling up a spot on the bench and he plays in an EFL Cup game, maybe an FA Cup game against a lower a lower division side. But I just don't see this guy being a big value for us. Yeah. Then you brought up the name that I would literally contemplate giving my left nut for, <laughs> and that's Kostic. Um, Philippe Kostic is one of these guys that if you take a look, and I hooked this stat up before we did the show, over the past five years in the top four leagues in the world, okay, which would include the German Bundesliga, Philip Kostic is tied for fourth with assists. That's nuts. Philip Kostic is 29 years old. He's got one year left on his deal. He is worth whatever it takes to get into this team. <laughs> we are desperate for a left side attacking player. Not only can this guy be that, but he can set the table for, I don't know, guys like Samaka, guys like Bowen, guys like Fornals, guys like Antonio. Kostic is the only player that we have mentioned in my firm opinion, that we sign tomorrow, he starts against City. Yeah. Like, that's just how good this guy is. And we're not going to have him for long. We might get two or three years out of him, and I understand that. And understand that you don't want to pay a big price. But listen to what I'm about to say. We all want to keep Declan Rice. I don't think anybody wants to see him go. And I know the rumors are out there that Declan Rice has rejected multiple contract offers from West Ham United. And I firmly believe he's rejecting those contract offers because he wants to see what we were going to do in this transfer window. He wanted to see, are you going to invest in this club? Because I'm not going to commit my future to a club that doesn't have the same ambition that I do. Philip Kostic answers that ambition. Yeah. Mark my words. We signed Philippe Kostic. We do that. We are in the top five. I firmly believe that that player unlocks the top five for West Ham United. It'd be like playing Xbox and all of a sudden you sign Philippe Kostic and all of a sudden up in the right-hand corner, it goes, it goes achievement unlocked top five. <laughs> like that is immediately what that guy does for us. I I'm a huge believer in what he brings to the table. To me, he was the best player on the pitch when we played iron track Frankfurt. I really believe that he was a guy that made that engine run. Um, but that that's my thoughts on the transfers. Do you have any closing thoughts before we move on? Well, just to, to, to piggyback on what you were saying about Declan Rice, uh, I think he was also turning down contract offers because you got to figure his con- current contract runs until 2024 with a one-year extension that the club can trigger as well. So that goes till uh, end of June, basically June 30th of 2025. There's another three years left on this contract. Like he's in no rush. I know we were offering like an eight year deal that was going to see him at like $200,000 a week or 200,000 pounds a week. And he turned it down because I do think that uh, to, to your point, he wants to see if the ambition of the club matches his own. And if it doesn't, he wants the ability to go someplace else. Right now we've slapped 150 million pound buyout for him. And just, I mean, David Moyes has said multiple times, you would need all the money of the Bank of England and all the money of the Bank of Scotland to be able to pry <laughs> Declan Rice out of his squad. So I love, I love Moyes. Dude, he's so freaking funny. 
Um, so I, I don't see Declan going anywhere soon. Well, uh, so as you have it, uh, you know, West Ham United, big, big, big transfer window for them. And it's still not done. Could see more players added next week when we, uh, join you again with our whiskey and our thoughts. So uh, we'll go over whoever those are. So it's now time. As we said, we got a big game coming up this weekend. Of course, um, the West Ham way, we draw the champions game one, but at least we get them at the London Stadium. Yes. So they are going to have to come to us, which remember the last time we were there was one hell of a game finished um, in a draw. Probably should have won it, but we kind of fell apart uh, later in the game. But hopefully we can build upon that. They are going to have a new scary striker and airing Holland, who will be uh, leading that line. Um, only good news is right now he doesn't look like he's meshing with De Bruyne too well. So maybe that's going to take a little time and maybe we have a shot in the game. It is Manchester city. You do have to understand what they're capable of. So before we get into the preview of that game, um, you know, just some quick questions firing at you here. Sure. Stay to the club here. Um, do you like the direction that the club is headed right now? Absolutely. I think this is something we've been asking for, for years and years. And Moise has finally been, at least attempting to deliver it. And I would say with this, this window versus even the last several that we've had, which last year's window was, was decent. January sucked, but last summer we actually had some bodies come in. I think these are the types of players that we can see the vision. We can see not just that Moyes is getting the players that he needs on the, on the pitch, but that the board is backing him. And obviously this, you know, the credit has to go to Krasinski for, injecting the funds that we've desperately needed because we knew that the Davids weren't going to, you know, unleash the purse, purse spring purse strings anytime soon. So I'm glad to see that we're finally moving in the direction that I've always wanted. What about for you? Do you feel like this is what you've been asking for? Do you feel like this is still an incomplete squad right now? It's a lot of empty promises still. And uh, this is why I say I have tempered expectations because yeah, we, we made some great signings and I really like, um, what we've done in the transfer market, but it means nothing if it doesn't pan out on the pitch. Agreed. It means absolutely nothing. I've seen this before. I've seen him bring in Andre Yarmolenko. I've seen him bring in Sebastian Allaire. I've seen him bring in um, the Brazilian that went back to Lazio, oh, Philippe Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen all this before, and I've been excited before, and I've seen him spend money, but it didn't work out. Yeah. You know, Philippe Anderson had that one good year for us, and then he fell by the wayside. So my whole thought process is go get proven commodities. Um, I don't necessarily believe we've got a ton of proven commodities that we've signed. A lot of the stuff that we've signed has expectations. The only proven commodity I know we're going after is Kostic. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I think there's a 20% chance we get him. But really, that's where I'm sitting. And I'm not trying to be a pessimist. Oh, wait. Yeah, the fuck I am. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm a West Ham fan. So, yeah, I'm pessimistic about, about certain things, and I'm not going to put a lot on the Manchester City game because of what Manchester City are. Right. Um, but I am going to tell you right now, I do believe this squad can finish in the top six oh, yeah. if they live up to expectation. And I do believe the team that will bump out will be Manchester United. And I think that's the team we're going to get over. Um, so th that's where I sit on it. Um, my next question is, obviously, with the transfer market still going on, with all the names that are floating around West Ham United, What's the one transfer you do want to see? Uh, the one I was mentioning earlier, I think Kamada from, from Eintracht Frankfurt, I thought that he was incredibly versatile. Uh, he uh, gave us so much frustration on that left-hand side. Uh, I think that he mirrors a lot of what we get from Jared Bowen. And I think when you have more of that three-pronged attack 
where you can't just overload one side, similar to what we did playing Aston Villa when Grealish was on the pitch, right? We had Sufal on that right-hand side, and then we threw Fredericks on as well to give uh, additional defensive cover. And then obviously they had to switch Grealish to more of a central slash right role to try to escape the, the, the double team. I think when you have Kamada, you have Antonio, Skamaka, Bowen, I mean, this as a front line is just incredibly, incredibly lethal. And I can't, I can't stress enough that you cannot just have a tall striker that you're going to lump balls into the box. Like you need people, like we said before, that have hold up play that can that know when to lay the ball off on somebody that's making a better run than what they are. Instead of what we saw time and time again, you know, with Antonio, when he has that goal drought and he just shoots from wherever and he sends the ball into row Z, you know, hits the astronaut and the astronaut falls out of the atmosphere. I think these are the, the instances where we need those players that have the, the proper acumen to make the smart play when it really counts, when we need them to make that. What about for you? I, I feel like you probably have a, a decent list of people you'd like to see brought oh, It's It's one guy. It's Kostic. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kostic is the guy. I mean, I would love it if they would bring in. Um, there's a striker that plays in the championship that I sent you. Um, he plays for, um, huh, I've, I've forgotten his name because I know West Ham aren't in on him anymore. Um, but I believe he plays for cute Queens park Rangers. Um, and I really like that guy, but honestly, if you sign Samaka, you don't need him. I mean, to me, yeah. it's 100%. You got to go after Kostic and you got to do whatever it takes because Kostic unlocks everything. Like I, I he's literally a cheat code. And so I want to put him on the pitch with what we have. I know that he said he wanted six players. Okay. I know that's what he said. But I think the the reality with West Ham United is if you say six, you're lucky if you get four. Yeah. And I think we're already at five. Costage would be a beautiful sixth. I would love to see that happen. Um, I know that that West Ham didn't spend any money in the last two windows on purpose because this was the window they were going to go for it all, and I know they're going for it now. Um, if you bring in Anana and you bring in Costage, I think you can call this window the best window West Ham have had in 20 years. Oh, yeah. I think you yeah. can say that easy. Um, but I mean, to me, it, it's, it's Philippe Kostic. He's the guy. Um, he just is a guy that I don't think people realize how great of a passer he truly is. Um, we saw it against us, but I think you always watch it. And then you're always saying when you're watching somebody play your team, you're always like, get in the way of the ball, not realizing that this player is literally too good for the player across from him. Yeah. And that's Kostic. Yeah. And so th- that's that's just my opinion. I think that that's the guy that unlocks everything. And I've heard multiple people say it that are far smarter than me. Um, if Philip Kostic joins West Ham United, they're going to be a problem for everybody in the Prem. Nice. And that's what I would love to see. That's why I think he's um, the player that I would like to see us most sign. Um, out of all the signings that we have made, this is an interesting question I want to kind of get your perspective on. Who do you believe will be the biggest impact and who's going to be the biggest bust? Ooh, those are good questions. Uh, I would say probably out of these signings, the biggest impact to me is probably going to be Skamaka. I think that we've been waiting for a bastard to kind of come back up to that front line. And Antonio can be that guy. Like we've seen him when he muscled Allison in the Liverpool game and Allison pretty much punched the ball right back into his own net. I think these are the types of instances where we have Antonio to play that role. 
Uh, but he's always there's always the concern that he's injury prone, right? Or that he's playing too many minutes or there's too many games. I think Skamaka, I don't know if it's the hair, the tattoos, what about it? But he reminds me a lot of Arnautovic. And say what you will about him, he was a snake in the end there. But there were so many times where you were just so happy to see him on the pitch. Uh, he could absolutely muscle people off the ball and... That's what I think we've we've been needing. We've been missing because Alaire, although he was a a very prolific striker, we saw him uh, perform wonderfully at Ajax after he left West Ham. Uh, he just never was quite the right player for our squad. We needed another Arnie, and I think Skamaka, to me, based on the highlight reel, based on what I've seen in the the training videos they've released, I think he can he can definitely be that guy. And he's young enough; he's like twenty three, and he's like on, on a five year deal. So we've got him till he's 28. Like this is definitely a player that not only we can can we develop him into the person we need him to be if he's not there yet, but we can also continue to build around that as other players. I mean, Antonio's what 31 going on 32. Like as these players start to age their way out of the squad, this is that new breed that comes up. Biggest bust for me. Uh, my initial reaction is going to be a gear right comes in and immediately gets injured. Uh, that to me is the West Ham way. Like that's exactly the type of thing we do. Like, Hey, it's our first signing of the summer. And now he's out for over a month with an injury. I, I think to piggyback on what you were saying before, I'm a little worried about Flynn downs. Uh, I think I love the attitude. I love that he's an East end boy. Uh, but coming out of Swansea to me, isn't really like a, Hey, this is a marquee player. Like this is somebody that's going to be a huge game changer. And I haven't seen a ton of him in preseason to really change that initial opinion, but I love the attitude. And I think sometimes people take a little bit longer to get settled. So I'm hoping that I'll be proven wrong and he won't be a bust, but I guess time will tell. How about for you? Uh, biggest, uh, biggest bust is I'm going to start there. I think it's going to be Alfonso Ariola. Um, oh, yeah. And the reason why is because I don't think he's going to get on the pitch. I think Fabianski is just the better player right now. And I think um, I know that there are people at the club right now that want to see Ariola take over. Yeah. Fabianski had maybe arguably his best year as a West Ham goalkeeper last year. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be really hard to supplant. Um, and I think that does not a slight on Ariola. I just think it's tough for him to get into the starting 11 um, because we have Fabianski there. Um, and I think, you know, Lucas is a phenomenal player. So Ariola, that's going to be my bust just because we need, you need a backup keeper. And I think we have the best backup keeper in all the prim. I think Ariola is, I mean, he would start, I think, on over half the teams oh, yeah. in the Prem. But I, th I think you call it a bust for that because right now I like all of our signings. I think the biggest impact, oh, man, that, see, that's tough. I think Aguirre is going to be the biggest impact, but I think the guy that has the most potential is Samaka. Yeah. And so that that's the way I want to answer that. I know Aguirre is hurt, but I do think Aguirre is the signing that unlocks what Moyes wants to do because I think it allows him to play the back three. Yeah. And I think that's big. I was going to say, uh, we we missed one on the uh, players out. It was David Martin didn't get uh, renewed on his contract. And it was only because you were just talking about goalkeepers. Because I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, because Ariel would be second. And then David Martin. I was like, oh, wait, no, he's not. He's gone. So it's Randolph is back to to the number three. Um, David Martin, obviously, his whole family, long, long serving members of the club. So we obviously wish him all the best. But I, uh, that's actually a really good shout. And I'm... I'm surprised though that Ariola was so keen to sign having been kind of relegated to that number two spot. Whereas at Fulham, he was the number one, but I think knowing he would gone back to PSV or PSG and been a number two anyways. So at least this would 
give him the opportunity to try to claim that first, uh, that starting position. And Fabianski is getting older every season. So, you know, even yeah, if mean, it's not this season, it's a long term. Yeah. And, and I think Ariella will take over at some point. I just don't think it'll be this year. Yeah. You know, that's just what my opinion is of it. So that brings us into, uh, we're, we got two things left to do. We're going to preview the season for you. And then we're going to preview the Manchester city game. We'll give our starting 11, um, like we always do. Um, we'll give our red and yellow cards, you know, cause that's what we do here on the bearded bastards. Um, so let's get into the, um, let's get into the season preview here. Let, let's make it real simple. Um, where do you think we finish as the here? Now here's the caveat. Where do you think we finish as the squad is currently constructed? You cannot assume any signings are going to happen. Um, Based on what it is right now, I think we still land in that fifth, sixth spot. Um, I'm I'm with you. I think we absolutely dethrone Man United. They're a dumpster fire right now. Even Ronaldo wants to leave. Like this is just not a good team. Uh, I also I also think that Tottenham had a little burst towards the end of last season. Uh, they've had a bunch of of decent signings, but I don't think that. I don't think that they're on the right trajectory and I fucking hate Tottenham. So I'm, I'd be just pleased as pie to, to also leapfrog them as well. Uh, I am worried. I do not think we crack into the top four. I think we will be in the top four, but I don't think we finish in the top four. I think we will be just outside it at fifth. What about you? I, I think we're a, I think we're a solid sixth right now. I wouldn't even put us fifth uh, as much as it pains me to say it. I think there's five teams in the prim that are clearly better than us right now. The only team of the, traditional top six i think that we have a better squad than right now is manchester united and i do think that we will perform to our level um but i see us finishing sixth and that's just the reality now that could my whole opinion changes if certain signings come in but right now as the squad is constructed i say six so um you have a fifth sixth place finish i have a sixth who is the top goal scorer for west ham united this year and man you have some options. Fuck, you really do. Because, I mean, you could go Antonio, right? He's our number one scoring uh, uh, player in in our in our Premier League existence. Uh, you want Skamaka to be a high scorer, right? Because he's just, he looks it. He's coming in. This is, this is what you want out of a striker. But I got to be real, man. It's going to be Bowen. It's going to be Jared fucking Bowen, dude. Jared Bowen was on fire last season. There was absolutely no, he broke into the England squad. Finally, much deserved. He's going to want that place. Think about it. The World Cup is in November and December of this year. It's all fucked up because Qatar is like 140 degrees in the summer. So they couldn't have it during right now. So uh, to me, Bowen's going to want to fight for that World Cup spot. He's he's going to be the man this season. I, I'm, I'm already calling it hammer of the year when we get to it. The, he'll be a top nod for sure. What about for you? Uh, yeah, Jared Bowen. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you looked at my notes before the show. It's, it's Jared Bowen. Jared Bowen will be the leading goal scorer for West Ham United. I honestly think he's going to score 15. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. he's got 15 in him. Um, I, I think we're going to be one of the top scoring teams in the Prem. Mm. Um, I think we'll be in the top six, seven in goals for the year, which about where we finish. We may even be in the top five in goals. Um, if we can sure up the defensive side, then I think we could move up that table a little bit more. But Jared Bowen's going to score 15 goals. The way he ended the year last year, and remember, he's got Manchester City's number. He scored two goals against them at the end of last season. I fully expect him to get one in the opener. Um, so 
that right there, I, I I think we're in agreement. So I'll go ahead and start on Hammer of the Year. Yeah, it's Jared Bowen. So I mean, I'm just I think Jared Bowen figured something out last year because if you remember last year, he started and he kind of struggled. It was a little bit, and then all of a sudden he got one lucky goal. It bounced off a player and went in. Yep. And then he took off, and then it was just he's a different player. He was a problem for everybody. Jurgen Klopp was singing his praises. And in my head, I was like, Jurgen, if you put in a bid on this guy in the in the transfer window, I'm going to be pissed. Um, Liverpool didn't. Um, Arsenal have been sniffing around him. Wow. But, you know, Bowen ain't going anywhere. Um, he's very happy at West Ham United. We're the team that got him where he needs to be. Um, I firmly believe that he will be the hammer of the year, and I think he'll kind of run away with it. Yeah, I, I agree. Not, not that Declan Rice isn't consistently our best player, you know, but when you really look at impacts, like we were talking about with the, with the new recruits, like who'd be the biggest impact. I still don't think any of those recruits will be as much of an impact as Jared Bowen was last season. And there's nothing in my mind that says that Jared Bowen won't be able to continue that, uh, that same level of play this season, especially with better people around him, right? Rising tide raises all ships. So I think as we continue to improve the players that surround Jared Bowen, um, he will absolutely be a, a monster again this season. Not just with goals. I'm with you. I think he probably hits. He definitely hits double digits on goals. I think he hits double-double. Double on goals, double digits on assists as well. I mean, this is a dude that was second in the Prem last season, only behind uh, Mo Salah. Like, that's brilliant company to keep. I fucking hate Liverpool and every player that they have probably I hate Jurgen Klopp more than anyone else, but I will still appreciate when they give praise to a player like Jared Bowen, who barely two seasons ago was at hole in the championship. And there, I feel like there was somebody I know, like a really good friend of mine that was like, he's not going to be good. We don't need to be digging out players. Oh wait, that was you. That's right. <laughs> I, <laughs> he thought I was forgot. coming. God damn it. Here the, we go. The streets don't forget, dude. Look, Look, if you're a betting man, whatever I say, bet against and you're going to be fine. Uh, let's get into the game preview. Obviously, here we go. Uh, West Ham United open up the season of London Stadium. But of course, you know, uh, the Premier League riders love to uh, screw West Ham United as much as they can. Hey, we're going to give you the home game, but you're hosting the champions, which if I was the champions, I'd be a little pissed off. I'm not opening it up at home. hundred. But that's 100%. the way that it goes. West Ham United host city this Sunday, August 7th. Um, out here on the left coast, that match starts at 8.30 a.m. The Fresno Irons will be full in effect for that. We're finally back in the season. Cannot wait. Um, so who's your starting 11 for this match? So I'm actually going to go with pretty much who we had last season. I'm going to keep Fabianski in goal. Backline's going to be Sufal, Zuma, Ogbana, and Cresswell. I'm going to keep it at a four right now. Suchek and Rice as the holding midfielders. Bowen, Lanzini, and Fornals as your, as your attacking midfield. And then Antonio up top. What about you? Uh, I think he's going to go with the back three. And I oh, think nice. I think it'll be Dawson, Zuma. Um, I, th- I believe it'll be Dawson, Zuma, Agbana. and Agbana back there. I think um, Augie is back. And I think it's big that he's back. Um, then from there, it gets a little hairy for me. Obviously, I do know the, the double pivot will be Suchek and Rice. But I'm kind of curious on what he's going to play. I, I think when it comes to the wingbacks... Um, I mean, I, th- I could see him putting Lanzini out there. I could see him putting Fornals out there. Um, I'm not sure. So I, I'm, what I'm going to say is I'm going to give you the 11 players I expect to see on the pitch. In what order, I'm not sure. So I've given you the five. I do believe you will see Lanzini on the pitch. Obviously, Bowen, I think Benarama will obviously start, and Antonio. 
Um, and then I, that float player, I mean, uh, I really am not sure who he's going to put on there, but I am curious if he's going to give Samaka a run, but I don't think he will. So I think that other player that he's going to put on there is crazy as it sounds, it'll probably be Cresswell, but I think it's going to be Cresswell in an advanced position. Yeah, I could see that. So that's, that's kind of what I'm leaning. I'm, I, I've been running through my mind the whole time, and I know that's a horrible starting 11 because you're not saying where you expect people to be, but I just don't, I can't get into Moise's mindset yet. The one thing I believe he's going to show is the back three. I really believe he's going to show that. Um, I believe Cresswell will be at a wing back. Who that other wing back is, I don't fucking know. Yeah. But um, I think those are the the players he's going to, you're going to see out there. Um, right now, to me, Fornells is the guy that could play virtually anywhere. Yeah. Um, so with that said, uh, what do you believe the score of this game will be? And give me your goal scores. Um, I think based on preseason, everybody always talks about like, oh, you can't judge preseason. You fucking can. Don't give me that shit. Um, they, I, I think that we struggled a lot. And I think with Man City, for whatever reason, we are a little bit of their kryptonite. So I think we will struggle in the early, uh, throws of this game, but I think we will grow into it. I see Man City scoring a goal probably relatively early, uh, but I do see us uh, getting an equalizer probably not long after halftime because I think we catch them back on uh, we catch them on the back foot. Uh, while I do think there are some uh, hefty chances and some deep defending on the from the Claret and Blue in the later stages, I think this ends a draw one one. Uh, for me, the goal scorer is going to be Jared Bowen because I mean, why, why not? I mean, of course, uh, I think that the assist is actually going to come out of whoever is going to be in that la- the right back position. So I think it's going to be a really nice overlap. Uh, and it allows where the, if it's for my lineup in Sioux fall drives along the right-hand side, gets the ball over to Bowen, Bowen drives in from the upper right corner of the box, curls the ball in with his left. What about you? And you even talked about the play scoring the goal. God, yeah. Good at this. Uh, I, I think um, it's going to be a 2-2 draw. Um, I think West Ham will take the lead just like they did last year, and I think it'll be a little bit of a back-and-forth game. I think West Ham will strike first, and I do believe it will be Jared Bowen that does that. I believe City will come back and get one, and then I think they'll get one in the second half, and then West Ham will put on the press. They'll get a lot of set pieces late, and the flying fish, Craig Dawson, will equalize <laughs> for West Ham United uh, late. I'm past the 80th minute final score will be 2-2 West Ham will walk away with a share of the points which I think if you're West Ham would be the best possible scenario um, that you can expect now I'm not saying we can't win the game and I'm not trying to be negative but I think if you go into it thinking that you are good enough to get a draw and share the points I think that's a big uh, a big big thing for West Ham United um, I'll go first on my man of the match. I do believe my man of the match will be Declan Rice, and yeah. I think that he will uh, cement himself as the best midfielder, not only in the prim, but in the world. Yep. Um, and I think where he's going to be a full-on display, I think he will um, set up the first goal to Bowen, and I believe he might be the guy to earn the corner, if you will, maybe a shot that goes off the keeper and gets us the corner. Or something like that. But that's who I believe the man of the match will. What about you? Oh, I won't disagree with you there, man. It's, it's Declan fucking Rice. First game of the season. He is going to come out guns blazing. Yeah, I, I, I love. Oh God, we're very fortunate to have Declan. Um, so now it's time for our red and uh, yellow cards. We'll start with the yellow cards. I'll go first. My yellow card goes to Philippe Kostic. Stop being a uh, stop being a wiener about this stuff. <laughs> like, I mean, bro. 
you're playing at Iron Track Frankfurt and you're going to get knocked out in the Champions League in the first round. Come play in the greatest league in the world with West Ham United and be a part of what David Moyes is building because you are the cog that's going to make this thing go. You are the key cog, if you will. So no offense. Look, look, it's cute that you got uh, Champions League football for an Eintracht Frankfurt, but you guys ain't getting out of the group stage. <laughs> so, I mean, this is the reality of the situation. So uh, trying to be realistic, if you're Philippe Kostic, come make your money, come to London, one of the greatest places to live, play for one of the most well-supported teams in all of London, and be a hammer. Um, so that's who my yellow card goes to. What about you? The fucking Premier League script writers. What is this horse shit? You're going to let us be at home on the first match, but you're going to give us the champions of last season? Oh, and as though that wasn't the icing on the cake, guess who's in VAR for us? Mike fucking Dean. Like, as though you couldn't make this worse. So as though I, even though I said I want this to be a 1-1 draw, they're going to get a late penalty because it's Mike fucking Dean. Like, I, I cannot imagine, like, a worse scenario for us than it than for it to be like brighten away is the only way oh, but, oh wait oh wait Don't say the words oh, brighten away oh wait they did that to us at the end of last season so why the fuck not i mean at least at least the season before we got to start at saint james's and we fucking decimated newcastle so like i mean i'll, I'll take that i i think they were setting us up to get blasted and then they didn't expect us to be oh i don't know fucking massive so i don't know what about for you man red card Oh, red card goes to Jesse fucking Lingard. <laughs> That's who it goes to. Um, bro, dude, if you want to be a TikTok all-star, fine. Go to Nottingham Forest. You want to focus on your football like that's what you said and love your football again, you should be wearing Claret and Blue. And that whole horseshit that, dude, you are not going to be the player that you could have been at West Ham United. There, there are certain players that can go play anywhere. Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, you know, Luis Suarez. These guys can go play anywhere and they're going to be good. You know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Other players need managers to bring out the best of them. Lingard is one of those guys. And the fact that you don't want to be at West Ham United, kiss your England shirt goodbye. Kiss your Premier League status goodbye because you're not going to be the guy to keep them up. And by the way, when you take on West Ham United, get ready to rupture your Achilles because we're coming in hard. Yeah. And like, I just, I'm sick and tired of, I'm glad that we don't have to talk about Jesse Lingard anymore. Cause I was fed up with the fact that he didn't sign with us on the first three days of the transfer window. Like it should have been done then. So that's who my red card goes to you. It's funny. I, I sort of echo, but I, a slightly different approach, Nottingham forest fans. So they've had been the, the thing that fucking frustrates me is these clubs that have not been in the prem for years. A la Leeds, Aston Villa, they come up and think they're God's gift to the fucking prem. Nottingham Forest is talking about they're going to finish higher than West Ham because they have Jesse Lingard. Oh, he wanted to sign for us and not sign for you. We're going to finish above you. Dude, have you looked at your team? You had to replace fucking everybody because everyone that was on your team last season was alone and none of them fucking stayed. So the team that got you up to the Prem is not the fucking team that you're going to have anymore. This is going to be a one and done. They're, they're not going to be a Brentford you know what I mean? They're not going to be that team that's able to say up. Leeds barely survived last season. And you could see what a fucking stone they were. Just drop it off a building at this point. So for me, Nottingham Forest, you talking, you talking 
uh, shit. You're talking basically a check that your ass can absolutely not cash. And I'm going to be laughing my fucking head off when you get relegated and Jesse Lingard, who you only sign on a one year contract goes to fucking MLS. But don't worry. He got one last big ass payday from you dipshits where you just blew the bank before you're going back down to the championship and then have fun because now you have no fucking funds. The parachute payments aren't going to rescue your ass. And then you're going to drop down to like league one after that. So 23 more years before we see you again, you fat fucking douchebags. And yet another edition of Listen to Leo. Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously we've gone a little over time, but thank you so much for listening to the Bearded Bastards, the new rebranded show here on American Hammers Radio. Um, want to say thank you for listening. Obviously, if you want to get involved with the show, we are still currently using at A-H-R-W-H-U on yeah. Twitter. Uh, you can hit us up there. You can also hit us up through the American Hammers Network or the American Hammers uh, radio platforms on Facebook, Instagram, or whatever. We'd love to hear from you. Um, if you want to get in touch with myself or Liam personally, uh, you can always message us through the Fresno Irons social media accounts, which are on all platforms at, at Fresno Irons. Um, we'd love to get you involved with the show. Thank you so much for listening. Before we go, Liam and I are going to raise our glasses right now to our captain himself, Mark Noble. Uh, we dedicate this show to you and everything that you have met to West Ham United. So thank you for that. Slancha. Um, really, in all honesty, uh, we're going to try to do better this year. We're going to try to be back every week. Um, feel free to talk shit. That's what we love. Tell us how bad we suck at this. We're trying to learn and get better. Um, but just remember, we're doing it and you're not, fuckface. Yeah. So, <laughs> at the end of the day, um, Again, you find yourself in Fresno, California, and you have nothing to do, and you realize West Ham United is a player. Come on down to Full Circle Brewing Company. Your first beer is on the Fresno Irons. We'd love to see you. And uh, let's get this done. And it's going to be a magical year for West Ham United. This is the year I think all of us have been waiting for since we moved to that London Stadium. Fuck yeah. So for Liam, this is Tex. And as always, come come on, on, you irons. irons.